joined by Rory Hamilton. Rory, thanks a lot for coming on. How are you doing? Very good. I'm glad that uh, we have at long last got this uh, opportunity to chat because we've been trying to organise a time and a date for this for quite a few months. So, uh, yeah, good to be on. Thank you. I just want to start off by asking you what your early football memories are. Well, I mean, yeah, my early football memories, um, I go back to yeah, playing, kicking a ball a bit about the garden, uh, going to, I didn't go to that many games, like professional games as a, until I got a little bit older. I did go to a couple of Dumbarton and a couple of Clyde Bank games. Uh, they were the first first matches uh, that I went to. But yeah, I, I played um, I played with um, Clyde Centre Boys Club uh, from, I think, about the age of... I think I must have been eight when I started um, because I started under 10s, but I had two years in the under 10s. So... And then played all the way through, um, I think, until like under 16s. Um, so, yeah, I mean, and, and great, great times play. We had, we had a decent team, actually. <laughs> no, nobody's gone on to, to make a career out of football, but um, but it was, uh, those were good times. Never close to making it, never any trials at any academies or anything? I had, I had a couple of trials. Um, uh, Hibs offered me a trial and uh, Celtic um, and then we put we played in a friendly played a friendly against Celtic and uh, I'd scored twice and it, and in the last minute we were 2-0 up and in the last minute I was clean through one-on-one -on -one with the goalie and I hit it straight at him and then and one, one of the scouts said said to one of the to our coach afterwards that they'd, they'd have taken me if I'd scored that <laughs> Could have been a lot different then. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So a degree in sports science, I see. What yeah, I went to. Um, I went to Edinburgh University after after school, but but when I finished school, I wasn't I wasn't too certain of what I wanted to study, uh, and I went away to Guyana for a year, and I uh, with Project Trust to a a charity organization and works the teacher um in in South America for yeah it was it was bang on 12 months taught English and and chemistry and science and played a lot of football and cricket uh, with the kids uh so so I was brilliant and, and when I was out there um you know the sport has always really been my my passion and I think I was I was kind of searching for something that keeps you close to that and, and you can look into a, a career which I, I've I've continued when I have actually developed my career in broadcasting um so yeah I wasn't too sure and, that, and then that came up my mum had sent me a, a prospectus for it and I thought yeah that, that, that sounds like something that that could keep me interested so uh yeah I, I mean I, I haven't I haven't really used my degree uh in my career, but um, yeah, it was it was good good time in Edinburgh. When did you first start showing a keen interest in commentary and broadcasting? I don't know. I mean, like like we were, <laughs> I was mentioning kicking the ball about in the garden, and I when I think back to that, I'm sure that because I had two older sisters and they weren't interested in playing football, so I'm sure I was running about the garden, <laughs> not even really noticing that I was commentating on myself <laughs> playing. Um, but to be honest. It, 
I almost, I, I, I didn't grow up thinking I want to be a commentator. I don't think I even thought, even until I got into the industry, that it, it actually was an attainable job. Uh, and, and so it was just once I started uh, working at STV on Scotsport and I, I just started recording my voice onto DVDs at the time and, and uh, I just seeing what it sounded like, I got a chance to do a game, uh, just a practice uh, for them. Archie McPherson was doing the real commentary that was getting broadcast, but you know, I I was given you know the mic and it was recorded into a separate channel and all that sort of thing. So I got got the chance to do that and then critique it a little bit and and start to try and try and develop. But it was it really wasn't until so I was at, at Scotsport and then I went uh, to Satanta uh, for two or three years, three years, um, and it wasn't until Satanta finished that I actually got my first opportunities to to do any commentary and it actually um it, it actually arose because I, I was working on a, a rugby program stv rugby um and just because i was a, a assistant producer uh -huh. um and so because that's all my background was was in production um so i was you know, cutting match highlights and all that sort of thing and and after the first week of the of the program um they were going through feedback from from viewers and things like that, and they were saying, "Well, it's a there's a league that's got Welsh, Irish, and Scottish teams in it, but why do we, or why are we broadcasting in Scotland and we've only got Irish and Welsh commentators?" So I saw I sort of joked in the meeting to Colin Davidson, "Was like, you know, how I've been badgering you for the last three years about wanting to do commentary," and it's yeah, I sort of laughed, and then uh, and then he he messaged me. I was I was staying up in the Highlands uh, at the time, and he messaged me on the way down and said, "Oh, you know how you." You made that comment in the meeting where you're doing you're doing Edinburgh against Connacht tomorrow night. Um, so first commentary, so that was pretty good. How did the opportunity come up for you initially to get into STV and get into like a, a sort of big broadcasting company like that? Yeah, I, I uh, it was when I was at uni and I I used to come in on a Sunday, um, and and just I would I would. I'd sit, sit in this this little cupboard uh, down a tight corridor when you didn't really see very many people um, and you just sit there and upload the manager interviews onto their their website and and that was basically and I went in uh, and I, I mean once you paid your train fare you, you didn't have much change back from uh, from the, from the fee that you were getting for it but but it was it was such a good way into the industry um because after i'd done that for for a couple of years um you know they they asked me what i was doing over after the summer and i just said well i don't know finishing uni so um yeah i'll be out looking for a job and they turned around and said well would you like a job we can, we can offer you one so yeah it just it came came from that so it's often when uh when i do these a lot of these uh interviews and 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 I, I, that, that's always my main main advice is is say yes to any opportunity because you never know where it might actually lead. Can you remember the first professional game that you commented on when it was solely you doing the commentary? Because you say you had the first one. Yeah, the the first. So I I did that Edinburgh Connacht game, but it was for um, 
it was for highlights. The first live one that I did was um, Glasgow Edinburgh, so it was it was all rugby in the early days. Um, so yeah, Glasgow Edinburgh up at Fir Hill uh, was the first live game that I did. They they only had two live games that season, and they were they were just either side of Christmas. Um, so I did the one at Murrayfield the the week after. So the, those were the first, uh, you know, that sort of nervous buzz of of doing a live game. Those, those were the first two. I, I I'm not sure what my first live um, football game was. I'm not too sure. I think it probably would have been. I think it would have been for Rangers TV. I did a I did a couple of seasons of that. And it would have been a game at Ibrox. It doesn't doesn't stick in my mind. And when you're saying about the commentary, um, and it's obviously getting into football, when did the opportunity to start working for Premier Sports and BT come about when it was kind of like solely football driven? Yeah, well, I mean, I did. I was I was freelance for. I mean, I'm still I'm still freelance now, but um, I did eight years of being solely freelance and and the majority of that work I, I did with Sky Sports um, so I mean that, so many good people in there and that was where I, I started getting first opportunity so I remember my first first live game for Sky which that, that was a big moment um, and it was our growth against uh, Rangers in the Scottish Cup um, and I, I, I got quite a lot of chances that season to I think maybe in the the last four months of the season I maybe did eight or ten games so it, it was great but it was harder to it was difficult to get opportunities after that um and so eventually uh when when Derek Ray left BT Sport uh, you know an opening came up and you know it's all people that that I've I've known from my time at Satanta and Sky, you know, they were they were then in a, at BT or Sunset and Vine. Um, so you you know you you know you know people, and and it, it just it helps you. You you you've developed your relationship with them before you've even started uh, working with them. So, but to get that call to to now, then you can I think you can call yourself a football commentator. Whereas before I was like I mean I was doing like three shifts on a Saturday and you know, it would be like doing Gillette soccer Saturday. Then you'd, you'd run into STV and put the commentary on the, the SPFL YouTube uh, highlights. And then you'd, you'd be up to Blyswood street um, to, to put your voice on the goals on Sunday edit for sky. And so, you know, every Saturday of the season, I was working until one, two in the morning. Um, That's crazy. So, I, I was doing like 10 shifts a week, you know, it, it's, it was a lot, but, you know, it, it gave me the opportunity and then eventually, you know, you, you get the chance to solely be a, a football commentator um, with Premier and with BT. Um, and that, yeah, it's been, it's been great trying, you know, hope I'm making it work. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. See, um, see, like, obviously it's part of football. How much prep goes in how much prep do you go into in terms of preparing yourself for the game and do you think people realise how much you actually have to prepare yourself stats wise and obviously knowledge wise as well yeah I mean I, I do I've not got the best memory in the world I would say so 
I probably do a lot more. I, I write out cards for every player. Then I do all my stats on, on the game um, so that it's all there. Sometimes you sometimes you don't you don't need it. Sometimes it's it's just the process that's helpful. I probably do. I would say like two days. So uh, you know, big game like tomorrow, PSV uh, at Ibrox. Um, you know, it's it's probably a good good two days. Um, and maybe, like I say, you maybe don't actually use it, but it it puts you in the mindset for the game. Um, but what I would say is that it that that's the the paperwork that's getting everything down into the right place so that when you're in the game you know where everything is it's all color coded i know which part of the paper that i need to put it in but i would say it's it's just it's an ongoing that that knowledge is is just like an ongoing thing like i'm i'm immersed in football anyway because i'm interested in it so you know, when, when the first first thing that i search in the morning is like what football news what you know what's happening my Twitter feed's full of football and rugby accounts that they're constantly just just keeping you updated on it. Does it become a bit of fiction? Just to make sure everything's so spot on. Um, addiction's maybe not the right word, but yeah, I just I just think you're you're always you're always best to be prepared. A lot of it actually, I think, is is um, almost trying to put yourself into the mindset of a fan or a club and to, to work out what exactly this game means to everyone that, that is around it. Yeah. And it's not necessarily what it means, what it means to you, mm-hmm. but it's a, it's a lot of reading. Sometimes, sometimes taking a phrase uh, from, from an article that you like the wording of, um, yeah, there's there's all sorts. I, I always script the the very top before the, before a ball's kicked. When the teams come out, you've probably got about five minutes. So I write all that down, cancel it out if I don't like it, like it, and just re re script it um, to to get it into a place where where I think sums up what what the the nine, the ninety minutes mean to both club. You've touched on it a wee bit in terms of Rangers journey, and I wanted to use. Some of the teams they've maybe played as a bit of an example. So USG, for example, obviously you're not going to know as much about their players as you would from obviously one of the clubs here. So what's your first step in terms of trying to learn more about those players and how are you grabbing your stats and all that for a game like that? Yeah, so um, for for a lot of games, not all of them, but a lot of games, um, we get sent a, a stats pack from... There's a guy called David Gillen, who's best in the business. He, you know, he sets out his all all the stats, so he does a lot of that research, um, which it, it saves saves a lot of time. And he picks absolute gems that um, that, <laughs> that you would never find yourself. He's just got he's a incredibly knowledgeable man. Um, so that's probably my my first port of call and I'll get I mean it's it's pages and pages and pages there's stuff on every player all their history their appearances goals all that kind of thing um so I get all that onto paper condense it down so that it's in a form that I can relate to it um and and as you say you know with with European teams or maybe players that you don't know I spend quite a lot of time on YouTube 
um, finding clips of of them in in their their native land, uh, you know, with to to get the right pronunciation on on a player. Uh, I I always think that's that's quite an important thing to do. A lot of players have uh, have come up to me and thanked me for that. Their their families back home have you know comment commented on it and and they like. I, I just think it's a respect thing yeah. to, to get a, a player's name right. Is it's not that difficult sometimes. I mean, there's there's some teams that um, it's very difficult to actually find enough clips, but um, you can you get there eventually. And I quite like that. I, I like the I find the language quite interesting as well. So, but it does it can take time. Using Rangers' journey as an example again, you've even just recently. Managed to travel to so many different cities and stuff. How good is that for you getting to see these places whilst working? No, I mean it's fabulous. I love I love travel. I love food and just going to different places, different cultures. Um, it's fantastic. Really, I'm, I'm so fortunate um, to be able to to get to do that. The first first real one that I got to do uh, with BT was in St Petersburg, which was a a place I'd always wanted to go to, uh, and that was that was absolutely incredible. It was about minus thirty as well, which which is tough, but um, yeah, uh, it's it's amazing to it. And you know what? It was it, you were really fortunate as well. You know, during COVID, yeah, other people weren't able able to travel, and 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 we we did. Um, so yeah, very very fortunate. Have you got a certain place that you just? constantly love going back to in particular or just love them all? Uh, that's a good question. Um, I don't know. I, I love Prague. Prague's a great city. Yeah, it's amazing. That's a really good... And, and I was lucky enough to go last last season as well because Rangers played Sparta. Um, so we we were out there for, for a couple of days and it's... Uh, yeah, that's a that's a pretty good place. I'd, I'd definitely put Prague high up on my list of places to keep going back and back to. Is that for the football and not the light, not the nightlife? <laughs> well, it's a good combination of both. <laughs> so obviously again commentating on the Europa League final. Does that does that work the way well the same way as maybe a player would is that is that sort of pinnacle for you? Yeah I think so. I mean we were we were talking about that leading up to the game with, with colleagues and you know saying that this, this is possibly the biggest game you'll ever work on um i did scotland england in the euros down at wembley which was was pretty massive um but the europa league final i i honestly i didn't think that a scottish team would get to a european final again i thought those days were gone and and if you there's enough stats to back that up of i mean the the europa league i think had had been won by Spanish teams in something like 10 of the last 11. So it was something ridiculous because Sevilla have been hogging it for, for that long. Um, but, you know, finances dictate so much in, in football now. And the big five leagues are, are so much richer than everywhere else that um, for Rangers to do that last season was, was absolutely unbelievable. What's your thoughts on the journey they had? Just absolutely incredible, eh? It was brilliant, and they just they just got that momentum, and it just each time we were going to a game, and we were thinking, ah, well, yeah, this will be the last one. This is the last time, and you know they'll they'll get knocked out. 
next round. But Ibrox just it played its part. Um, and and people talk about um, players not being able to play in in certain atmospheres. You know, but, but you know, Borussia Dortmund are vastly experienced. Yeah. Red Star Belgrade players play in intimidating atmospheres every week. Um, and you know, Leipzig are are they've got some of the best up and coming players in Europe, and they were all spooked by what was going on. And, and you really, you really did have to just take a moment to yourself in, in some of those games at Ibrox and just look around and and try and take in, try and understand, uh, you know, what what you were experiencing because it it's such a sensory overload. It's, it was absolutely amazing. Did it get to the point as well? I don't know if that sounds stupid, but even when you're commentating, is it hard to even just stay concentrated on it when all that noise is going yeah, on around you? That's the main thing because your your brain is taking so so much. It's just and you're you're buzzing. I when I get home from games like that, yeah, you know, I'm only ten minutes from Ibrox, from fifteen minutes from Celtic Park. When you come back from games like that, uh, Hamden, you know, it's twenty minute drive. Um, you're, you're still back. I can't sleep after them. I'm just absolutely buzzing, and everything's going over in your head. I think I, I found that for the the Leipzig game at home, uh, that was the one that I I noticed it the most. And and actually, exactly what you're saying is that you need to you need to just take a moment and remind yourself that that you're <laughs> you're doing a job but at the same time you've got to try and get across you know that that passion and and try and dictate to the people that aren't there just exactly what it's like and you put up a want well, something else put up a tweet that went a wee bit viral last week it's good timing for doing this how important do you think it is that Scotland, Scottish football get a TV deal that Sort of represents what we've got as a country, football advice. Yeah, it's vital. Um, for for far, far, far too long, uh, it's it's been undervalued, undersold. Uh, for for clubs to have any chance of competing in Europe, then they need they need the finances to to be able to do it. Uh, I mean, I'm at no time do I expect the Scottish Premiership to be sold like the English Premier League and then to be getting figures in the billions. But I've been around football and TV for long enough to know exactly what it's worth uh, to to the companies and and they 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 need to be putting up more, but they're not just gonna they're not just gonna do that. It needs to be sold better. In my opinion, and and to have a, a little bit of belief in the product, um, yeah, it's uh, it, it, it's it's crucial for for the game to to continue to to be what it is up here. You think we undermarket it, and do you think yeah. part of that's maybe because of what we get as a TV deal? Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, possibly. Um, it, 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 it can be difficult being 
having having such a a big neighbour in terms yeah. of 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 their league uh, in England, and you can you can fall into the shadows a little bit. But Scottish football's got so many unique selling points um, that it, it's got an awful lot to offer. Um, so I think I think the broadcasters have have had very good deals out of Scottish football. It's maybe maybe about, but at the same time, it's in their best interest as well to to invest in the league. You know that that's essentially how it started in England was they overpaid for it. Yeah. But that that allowed them to have more money to attract better players to keep the best players. You know, in Scotland, you can't keep the best players. Calvin Bassey's gone. Joe Rebo's gone. Odson Edward went. Moussa Dembele went. So it, that doesn't happen so much in England because they've got the finances to be able to attract them and keep them more importantly. Because even if, if you get a really good young player, look at Calvin Ramsey or Nathan Patterson, you know, they, they're away before they've, they've played a season. Yeah. Then they're, then they're off to, to big, big clubs in England, which is great. And I, I hope that, I hope they really make the most of their careers, but you know, you, you, you don't want your young players leaving before they've, they've played. You know, you'd look to get hundreds, 150 games out of a young player before then moving them on. It's great to hear your thoughts on it and the fact that you're so passionate on it, considering how prominent you are, obviously, in broadcasting in Scotland. And I think that's people like you speaking about stuff like that. It's probably only going to help us in the long run as well. Because I think people are now sort of standing up and realising, wait a second, this maybe isn't quite right. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and you can now start comparing it to leagues all over the place. I don't. I don't think we have enough games being broadcast on TV. That's where I find, um, you know, it, it can be marketed much, much better. Um, yeah, and 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 some more some more money would be good to keep the best players here. Definitely. Well, Rory, thanks very much for taking the time to do this. I really appreciate you coming on. All right, brilliant. Thanks, Ross. Thank you.